Hi everyone, this is Diva from Blood Hunter and you're listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. <clears throat> Hi, welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast. My name is Blake Mossy, your host. I am also the webmaster and owner of our website, which can be found at www.themetalpit.org. And we are also on social media, Facebook and Instagram at the metal pit and we have a new youtube channel which can be found at the metal pit 666 and recently we have started this podcast our podcast will be about all things metal some episodes will have interviews and some episodes will have some of the writers of the metal pit and some guests revisiting classic metal albums Today, I have a special guest with me. I have lead vocalist for Bloodhunter, Diva Satanica. Hi, Diva. How are you today? Hi, Blake. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. Of course. <laughs> um, I'm sure uh, the winter in Canada is a little different than winter in Spain. Not really. I mean, we have very cold places here too. Nobody will believe me, but Spanish people will do for sure. We have like uh, in the mountains, we have like um, uh, maybe 10 degrees below zero or stuff oh. like that. So yeah, it's pretty cold in winter. Because I've been, I was at, I was in Spain a few years ago, but it was the summer and it was, ah. and it was hot. Yes. Yeah. It's hot <laughs> like hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so yeah let's see oh yeah so in this episode we are going to we're going to do a little interview first and then we're going to talk about a classic metal album and but i let diva pick the album that we're going to talk about today and she chose behemoth and their album the satanist so we're going to talk about that in a little while but first we're going okay. to talk to diva before that and but first, I wanted to also mention here before I start, I'm dedicating this podcast in memory of my good friend, Nick Rom, who was my metal brother and wrote for me with the metal pit for many years. He has been gone now for four years. He is missed very much by the metal pit. I was talking to his lovely widow, Paula, the other day, and we agreed he would have loved to have been a part of these podcasts. I'm sure if he can, he'll be listening to this episode. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope he's listening to from somewhere. I actually I bring I bring Nick up especially on this episode because back in 2010 on the Metal Pit website, we had a feature where we interviewed a female, whether she was in a metal band or maybe she was a metal fan promoting something else. And so late in 2010, he presented me with this interview he did with this alternative model named Diva Satanica. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, so I can amazing. thank him for, for bringing you to my attention. So, because, yeah, thank you for connecting us together. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Nick. So I was, I was reading through that interview again from 2010, so 13 years ago. Wow. And of course, back then you weren't you weren't in a band or you weren't singing or at least that never came up in the interview. Anyway, you were just an alternative model mm -hmm. and you worked for some bands like merch stuff and maybe modeling oh. their merch and stuff like that. Oh, my God. It sounds like a lifetime. <laughs> 
it's been only 10 years, but uh, so many things happened in between that, wow. At that time, yeah, you are right. I was not singing or, or I was not uh, speaking about my band because it was only a, a project. So yeah, that was like my very first beginnings in the music industry. So you already, so at that time you were planning it? You just- Yeah, because the first demo, it was released like in 2013. So that was my very first time doing anything in relation to music as a musician. Yeah. Yes. Um, I know oh, one of the questions that Nick did ask you was, uh, what were some of your favorite bands? Do you remember what, do you have a guess on what you would have said your first band was, your favorite band? no idea because uh, you know when people ask you which one are your favorite bands you always answer something completely different you know it's like you have so many options that probably i don't know at that time probably i i said behemoth too or maybe septic flesh or something like that i don't know No, you you're right you did say behemoth <laughs> i just thought it was yeah. kind of funny and that's the the band you chose to do a thing about and <laughs> that was also the band that you didn't picked first him. back then <laughs> yeah that didn't change i mean i've been a huge fan of behemoth since their very beginnings they have a lot of albums and i think they are doing every time better and better with any record that they release so yeah i'm sure i was a huge fan then and i'm still being a huge fan now it's also kind of funny. He asked you about some bands that uh, you'd like to see in concert. You mentioned uh -huh. the band. You mentioned the band Rotting Christ. Who did you ever get to see them in concert? Uh, I think so, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure now because yeah, um, maybe yes at some festival or something like that. Because uh, at that time, uh, I used to go to some festivals here in Europe, like Hellfest. Uh, masters of rock so mm -hmm. i had the chance to see a lot of bands uh, during that years you know before that um it was very difficult for me because i was born in a small village in the northwest of spain so all the shows were happening like in the capital you know yes and I, I had to drive like six hours to to come to madrid at that time and mm -hmm. it was super difficult for me because i was also super young at that age and I didn't have a I didn't have a car or something to to move properly you know but yes then when I just get it everything became easier <laughs> <laughs> uh and um he said or no you said that you used to write for a Greek uh metal webzine called oh I forget now sub ah uh, uh, yeah I think it was um <laughs> yeah. Super existence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was like my very first time writing reviews and interviews for anybody. And I just started because um, they put like an app on, I don't remember the social media. And I just thought, okay, I have to start from somewhere because I was writing to any uh, music magazines here in Spain. And yes. obviously they never answered until some years <laughs> later. So when I could prove that I had some experience in this field, um, I started to write for a, a, probably the most popular music magazine here in Spain, which is uh, Mariscal Rock or La Heavy Rock now. And that was it. Yeah, that was my very first um, attempt to, to get involved into the music industry. 
I should have recruited you, but I didn't think about it back then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was fun because I had a chance to to discover a lot of new bands. Um, you know, we had the chance to have the albums uh, previously they released, and that was amazing because um, I was like a a complete freak, locked down <laughs> in my room, listening to every single thing that came to my hands, and I've learned a lot. Yeah. Yes. So when um, he also asked you about the metal scene in Spain and it was pretty underground, which it probably still is because heavy metal really still is underground a lot, unless you're Metallica or Iron Maiden or whatever. But so what is the yeah. metal scene like now in Spain? Is it similar? Yeah, it didn't change pretty much since then, you know, because uh, here most part of people love other different kinds of music like uh, pop music or trap in the last years so that's a mainstream scene and heavy metal or metal or rock in general it's like uh, much more difficult to to make it for everybody to listen you know so yeah especially for for new bands and stuff like that it's super difficult to to get out from here and get a, a deal with a record label for example because uh, most part of them are abroad. They don't exist here in Spain. So it's like the market doesn't trust the Spanish people for this field. <laughs> because, yeah, we are a, not a poor country, but, you know, we don't sell pretty much in here. People just don't buy albums like they used to do in the 80s, for example. And yes. most part of the of the tours didn't make it to Spain because um, it's very difficult to have like a a big place to host big bands and and also have like a, this balance between the smaller bands and that. So when you have a lot of shows, people just have to choose which show they want to see because you don't have money to to buy all the tickets. So yes. probably in a week you have three shows, three different shows. Mm -hmm. And you just can go to one, so yeah, that makes uh, very difficult for for the bands and, and for everyone to make something bigger in here. Yes, I would, when when I when I was in Spain, I actually went. I can't. I forget the name of it now. Rock and Metal Fest or something in yeah Barcelona or yes ah, yeah the Rock Fest. It's yeah, like rock a new fest. one, but it's it's big and it's one of the of the best. Yes. Um. So you you joined you joined um, Bloodhunter in 2012. Is that right? Or yes, uh, I started to to write lyrics for Bloodhunter at that time, more or less, um, or probably between 2010 and 2012, because uh, Danny, who was the and is the guitar player and founder member of the band. Yes. had this project like a, a solo project because he was involved in too many bands at the same time and <laughs> super different so he was playing for a gothic metal band then for a thrash metal band then for a alternative progressive whatever and he had a lot of songs that didn't fit in these projects so he wanted to start a, something new and he contacted a lot of different musicians here in Spain but nothing happened really so um, he knew that I was very interested 
in Occultines, philosophy, and extreme metal. So yes. he just asked me, hey, would you like to write some lyrics for a couple of songs? And I was like, yes, of course. I was never thinking, you know, about um, the chance of singing. I was just committed to write, you know. And oh, yes. Then the next step, obviously, was like, why don't you come to the rehearsal room with us and try to sing a couple of these songs? And I was like in panic because I had no <laughs> idea how to do it. You know, I never sang in front of anyone um, at that time. And I had no idea of what I had to do or about technique or whatever. So I remember myself going to the rehearsal room and singing, looking to the walls, asking everyone to leave until I found like a, something like a proper sound <laughs> that I didn't feel ashamed of. And yeah, yeah it was awful. <laughs> but luckily, he had a lot of patience with me and he supported me a lot during the, the years so I could improve and learn. And that's how I started, actually. Um, I recorded the first demo in 2012, which was called The First Insurrection. Mm -hmm. And we just released it like in the underground scene to try to find more musicians to complete the lineup. And that's how we entered the studio in 2014 to record the first album. So, yes. yeah, that, that was like the very beginning. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I was going to ask you what made you want to be a singer, but it kind of just kind of got thrown at you and you took control of it. <laughs> Oh, not exactly, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've been always a, a fan of music in general, but especially when I discovered the, the metal scene and the rock music, to me, it was like, a, wow, this is something that I really love, that I really enjoy, and I, I wish I could be part of uh, something, you know, like uh, I started doing this match thing for bands, then I tried to um, get involved into the press as a journalist, and then I really um, discovered that what I wanted to do was to be part of a of a band. The problem yes. was that I, I needed to learn how to play any instrument or sing, and that takes a lot of time. So yes. <laughs> in the beginning, it was very difficult, but um, hey, I didn't give up. And <laughs> my, band, um, my bandmates um, supported me a lot, so that allowed me to, to keep on working and trying until I could find like a, my own technique and sound. Mm -hmm. And did you, so you're self-taught for singing or did you go take any lessons? I tried super hard to take lessons with someone because I was doing something wrong at that time and I had a lot of sore throats. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was very difficult at that time to find a teacher for extreme metal singing. So I remember myself driving to, to take lessons in a different city and the time or the day of learning extreme metal singing never came. So yes. I just gave up like, uh, come on, I want to learn. This is not what I want. And I must say I was wrong because you need some basic stuff about singing in general, about technique and theory yes. um, to be able to develop the, the extreme metal singing technique. So yeah, then I spent like some years trying to find my own technique and then I came back to have some lessons I, until I started to play some shows. 
and between one thing and the other i discovered a lot of uh, that was the the beginning of youtube and all these singing tutorials so that was my thing practicing a lot on my own asking to a lot of metal vocalists attending a lot of shows um i remember myself standing in the front row like trying to study every single movement that they were making you know like trying mm -hmm. to learn what they were doing and yes. it, it took me a lot of time for sure and if i had someone to teach me that would be much better but i couldn't find it so mm -hmm. i just tried to keep on working on my own and was there any singers that really that you really follow the closest maybe to help you or was it any singer um i asked like a couple of singers um at that time i remember uh speaking with um adam from hate which is a polish band pretty close to to the behemoth style or to the singer in a black metal spanish band called not them at those days but no one could just answer me because we were like uh, look i have no idea i never yeah. took lessons uh, to learn how to do this so i just do it and i don't know how so um, i discovered like this dvd of melissa cross that was yes. called the sound of screaming i tried to watch it uh, it had no subtitles at that time <laughs> I had no idea about English. Imagine a, a Spanish little girl trying to to watch this DVD and <laughs> repeat what she was watching, and that didn't work for sure. So um, I just kept working on my own, trying to imitate uh, the sounds that they were doing. And I remember that I tried to to search for some female singers because I thought it would be easier for me, as I am a woman too. Yes. And I started to to listen a lot to Holy Moses because mm -hmm. Amina Klassen was like one of the pioneers and the first women in, in doing this. And I just tried to get familiar with her own technique, uh, what she was doing on stage, um, how the, the voice were sounding in the in the albums. And that led me to discover another vocalist like uh, Tristeza from Astarte, which was a, a Greek metal band. Yes. And and also um, Angela Gozo at that time from Arch Enemy. Um, she was like a, the best example for me because at that time she was uh, touring with the band and I had the chance to see Arch Enemy at that time. Yes. Um, in different festivals here in Spain and, and abroad. And that allowed me to to study her performance um, like closer, you know, and I got very interested. I started to search for more videos in YouTube. I found like a workshop of her in the university trying to um, get everybody started into the growling experience. And that really helped me too. So I was like uh, taking ideas from here and there. And that's why I, I tried to develop my technique. Yes. And mentioning, you mentioned Holy Moses, and I see that you're going to be a guest on their next album, which is also their last album. How did that collaboration come to be? Oh, that was amazing. You know, uh, both as a fan and as a musician, it's a huge honor because as you said, this is going to be the last album of their career. So it's sad, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, they deserve um, to just 
try to do different stuff and and they have been working a lot during the last decades so it's time for them to just do other stuff and enjoy themselves the way they want yes and yeah um last summer i think i was uh, playing a gig uh, somewhere in europe and i met with gerd the drummer who was working with tankard at some festival that i was playing and we just went into each other like hey it's been a long time blah blah nice to see you and he just told me look um we're going to release a, a new album next year and we would like to have you as a guest uh so just let me know what do you think i was like of course <laughs> count on me <laughs> i mean and yeah after a while he just sent me the the track so i could listen uh, to the full song and that was it it was um, an amazing experience and i'm super grateful for that because uh, you know i've been a, a fan of holy moses all my life and especially of of sabina so yes. for me it's like my a way to pay tribute to to them yes that's good and you've done a few guest spots is there any other most memorable ones you've done um you know we had the chance to to share like a few dates here in spain some years ago with night rage which mm -hmm. was one of my favorite bands and they invited me to join them on stage that was amazing because they just offered me to to sing frozen which is one of my favorite songs because they found out a cover that i did in my youtube channel of that song so they just came to me like look we saw this and you did amazing so <laughs> why don't we do it all together and i was like of course <laughs> so that was like another one that i remember like uh, with a lot of love and also with camelot um a couple of years ago they came to to play in a festival here in spain and i was available so um my management agency for my band Love hunter and their management agency and and thomas a guitar player uh started to talk about it and we finally could make it possible so it was amazing because it was here in my country in front of a lot of friends and people that I knew and with one of my favorite bands, of course, and it was very special because I didn't do the grow parts in the song. Yes. Uh, loud and hard from once human did them because yes. she was uh, with them on tour at that time. And yes. she's she's amazing. She's she is, yes. she's an amazing vocalist and she's super funny and super kind and the whole experience it was amazing we had like uh, some hours hanging out all together and i enjoyed a lot because you know i'm a growler but i love a lot of uh, bands from different music styles and camelot has been probably one of my first into the um, power metal scene yes and you know i know all the songs and it was magical for me that's awesome yeah and so uh, what's are you recording or a new album now with blood hunter or are you just yeah look um we released a new album last year like yes. may 22 um uh, 2022 sorry yes. and it, it was called knowledge was a prize 
we had this album ready to be released uh, since 2020 in the middle of the pandemic situation. Yes. So we were thinking what to do because uh, we knew that it was going to be super difficult to play live and, and play this album live for everyone. Yes. So we just decided to keep it a bit more. And then I joined Nervosa. So everything got much more complicated because, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we couldn't make uh, a proper schedule. So we had to postpone some shows. Um, and finally, we just released the album like last year. And we couldn't have the chance to play pretty much. So, yeah, we are writing new songs right now. We have like a couple of demos ready. And we would like to to release something like probably a first single later this year in 2023. But we are still working on it, you know, because um, we lost a lot of time, first of all, because of the pandemic situation. Yes. And then because of my absence for so many months. So now it's time to work super hard because uh, we already had a couple of offers uh, from record labels. So mm-hmm. we need to, to have something soon <laughs> so we can <laughs> just get back on track, you know. So you probably wouldn't have another album out till next year then, like a full album again? Yeah, you if know. This band works insanely. <laughs> it's like <laughs> um, Danny, the, the founder member and, and guitar player of, of the band. Um, mm-hmm. He's amazing. He just uh, wakes up one day and he has like a, a thousand riffs ready to, to, to be part of a new song. And it's amazing to work with them because they are all amazing musicians and they have a lot of uh, stuff. They study theory, so they know how to mix very different music genres for example in this album you can find um some references to flamenco with bulerias and some riffs in the guitar and that's pretty amazing because you will never tell that you could find this in a in a death metal band yeah so yeah it's it's something like super special and we want to keep on working uh like that you know just uh, getting new styles and new things to to add to our own style Yes, and I, I'm a big fan of your last album there. It was actually number oh, 11. On my, it was number 11 on our top 30 albums of the year. <laughs> thank you so much. That's amazing. You're welcome. Um, let's see. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say before we talk about some behemoth? Um, I think we already talk about a lot of stuff. If you okay. want, we can just go to the behemoth record. Oh. Okay. Now, now for me, like for me, but uh, since you suggested this album and I had never really listened to them before, I mean, I knew who they were, of course, but I never really took the time to listen to them. But I have listened to the Satanist album a few times to prepare okay. for this. But I don't really I can't really say a lot about each song just because I can't compare them to previous albums or because they have uh, 12. I think it is. Yes, they have 12 studio albums now. The last one just came out last year. Wow, that's a lot. And this the Satanist came out. That was their 10th studio album. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2000. Oh, I had the year 2000. 14, I think. It was, was yeah, released. sorry. Right. 2014. I, I remember that. 
that because it was at that time when they were playing um, at some festivals that I had the chance to see this album live for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was pretty emotional because um, at that time, Nergal um, had just um, started to speak about uh, his illness, about yes. the, all the cancer process. So I remember that they were opening the shows with some of the songs um, in this album. I don't remember if it was um, uh, Blow Your Trumpets, Gabrielle, or one of those. But mm -hmm. he just started the show um, screaming to everyone, like, uh, we are behemoth and it feels so good to be alive. So everyone was just screaming like crazy, you know, because um, at once we almost thought that we're going to lose a, um, an important musician in, in our scene. And that was something that at that time didn't happen pretty often. You know, now, sadly, uh, during the last years, we lost a couple of musicians uh, from the scene but at that time it was not something like uh, very common so I think all the metal fans of, of the band and in the metal scene in general we were like uh, pretty freaked out about losing an important member of, of this community so yeah it was a, a very emotional time yes he fought he bought he had a bone marrow transplant in 2011 yeah. and he yeah. took a few months off and then they were back at it again <laughs> yeah it, it was it was amazing at that time also i remember um now that I, we spoke before about uh astarte um mm -hmm. like at the same time i think uh tristeza died also from cancer so for me it was like um everything was like um over my skin you know like uh, we had everything so uh, close in the time that um, it felt like um, super scary like uh, wow people from a close age uh, are dying and the ones that get to survive from this thing uh, they just keep on going and they come back like you know uh, like heroes from from a battle yes and yeah that was very impressive for me i never had like um someone close to me like uh, having cancer or this uh, super serious illness uh, around me so for me it was like wow uh, this is really happening people is just uh, really dying very young from this sickness so I think it was something important for the um, uh, awareness of everyone you know yes that a, a start an, a starty is that how you say it uh, a start yeah sorry. yeah we, i don't we, know <laughs> sorry we, we we had an interview with her too way back like before before of course she passed but yeah she was on their website too and it was sad when we heard the news about her passing yes it was devastated for sure yeah um so when did you first hear behemoth then um i think you know because i got involved into the extreme metal scene like pretty late actually mm -hmm. um i think i discovered like rock and metal at 12 probably 12 years old uh because of a tv show uh like this kind of um singing contests like uh, the voice or something like that yes and there was one girl singing living on a prayer of bon jovi 
<laughs> and for me that was like oh my god this is amazing i have to listen more music like this so um at that time we didn't have youtube and all of this yes. so i just remember myself going to the record shop every single week and try to find one of the the albums that i was reading about in the magazines and from that time until i just uh, started to listen some extreme metal i think uh, it's been a gap of probably 10 years or so. So um, I think I started to to listen to more extreme metal stuff, like at the age of 20s or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, as I said, um, I started with Holy Moses, Arch Enemy. And then um, I just discovered that uh, this movement about the inner circle of the black metal in Norway uh, that was existing uh, in the 90s, um, I was just fascinated by that, like the whole imagery, like uh, the coarse painting, the, the drums, uh, the blast beats, everything sounded like uh, super scary and, and gloomy. And it just grabbed my attention, you know. So I started mm-hmm. to dig into these um, music genres more. And I just uh, found out Behemoth, which was like uh, another black death metal band. But um, I think one of the first albums that I bought from them, it was the um, Telema. Uh, I don't remember the year, but probably it was uh, 2000 something. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure about that, but um, it was like, uh, it's like the sixth fifth or the sixth studio album of the band so imagine that was like uh, probably 2000 or something like that wait what sorry what was the album titled again uh telema oh that uh, yeah 2000 yeah 2000 right so um i just um discovered this album and it opened my eyes completely you know like wow i love extreme metal but this band has something else like for example with entombed you have like this death and roll style like almost you can dance the songs you know right Mm -hmm. and with behemoth it was something like super special between the drums um nergal voice um it was something totally different to the other bands for me so i just wanted to discover more and with the years they created like this personal uh sound that when you listen to a behemoth song whatever it is you really recognize it's it's them you know yes. and another thing that i really loved from these guys was like um they were completely not scared about being different you know because they um broke like many rules in the black metal scene they uh, started to wear different clothes on stage, like um, they have like feathers and jewelry, like uh, mm-hmm. no one else was doing that uh, yes. on the black metal scene. So the video clips were with um, a different story. Everything was much more, you know, far beyond the blood and and these kind of things. And that impressed me a lot because they created like this connection between art in general and the extreme metal music. So I really appreciated that. 
and, and that's why I think they are one of my favorite albums in, in bands for sure. And how would you rate, like you've probably heard a lot of their albums now then. So this, the Satanist album, it's got, it had a lot of, I read it has a lot of high praise from, from reviewers and critics around. How would you compare it to their other albums? Is it your favorite or? Yeah, I think it's totally my, my favorite. I think the um, Evangelion, I'm not sure it was a, exactly the previous uh, release of the, sat, the Satanist but um when they started like uh, working in this new path um it was simply amazing you know because everything that they were creating from the video clips to the albums to the artwork to the songs whatever it was um something super special they were taking care about every single detail of everything and they were delivering such an amazing job you know even on stage uh, when you listen to albums like this or you watch the video clips, you you bet that they cannot do the same thing on stage because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in the video clips. But yes. they managed they managed to do so and between the lights and and intros and nerdal performances, it was something completely out of this world. They were creating um, a super magical atmosphere. And you could feel from the very first minute of their shows um, that this was something totally different to the other bands. I think the Satanist has everything that a, that a good album should have. And I think even if you don't enjoy extreme metal, uh, you will find at least one song that you like because yes. they have many influences from other music styles, other music genres. And it's just an, an amazing album. And there's there's so many guests, musicians on the albums, like playing the trombone or the French horn or the cello and all this stuff. And it is hard to portray that live, too, when you can't take them all with you, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's amazing how they manage to have all these elements in the show, even if it's with baking tracks or whatever. But you just don't miss the real thing, you know, because you're so focused on the other stuff that it's going on. Like, for example, Nergo um, doing fire with something or, um, yeah, it's, it's just like a, the perfect definition of entertaining uh, the audience, you know, and it's something that I really appreciate from a live show uh, when you just um, are... Uh, enjoying the show itself you're not thinking about oh my god it's been 20 minutes already or uh, I have to be here for another hour or something like that you know yes. so yeah I think um, with this album they just went like a step uh, farther in their career uh, they created like uh, their own style into the uh, extreme metal industry Yes, and and they're, uh, the lyrics are pretty intense, especially for people that, you know, don't listen to this kind of music. Now, for you, I know you're in a band, so you're worrying about lyrics yourself. But as a fan, how important are the lyrics to you when you're listening to a band's albums? Um, to me, lyrics are super important because, you know, even if you don't understand all the words because you're speaking a different language, yes. when when they manage to make you understand like um, 
the the main message behind it it's it's good you know that's the most important thing when you just uh, get emotional with a song because you uh, find something in common with your life uh, you just um, give it a, a a different meaning of course you know it's like uh, you identify something in common in between uh, that experience from listening the song to your own life and that's amazing because the satanist speaks about um it's a, a metaphor really you know it's mm. like uh, of course you can take it li literally yes but um Nerdall explains that super well in in his biography um being a satanist or following this philosophy is just following the idea of uh, pursuing your dreams just um, trying to follow your dreams as an individual and respecting everyone else of course but just um, try to be a better version of yourself and just standing for that and that was very important for me at that time because I was not a teenager anymore but I was always like pretty obsessed with this idea of doing what you want to do in life and standing for your own rights. And that was for me, the Satanist. Yes. And they, since they've had such a long career and with the lyrical content, they've had a lot of controversy over the years, but mm -hmm. maybe they were even banned in their own country for playing for a while. But that, I think that was something to do with the Bible, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there are some countries that are super strict and they have very strict rules um, in relation to religion, politics. So Poland, it's a country that it's a super Catholic country. And it's like that. If you say something that goes against that, uh, you're fucked up. <laughs> I mean, uh, Nergal has been in court many, many times because of this. And sometimes it's been only because um, it was a question of, of marketing and money, you know, yes. not from Nergal, but from politics, because yeah. um, Nergal has been like a, a public character there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, of course, Behemoth had made a lot of money, but it's fair because they have been working for many decades and super hard in very hard circumstances. So it was not for free. Yes. But, um, you know, uh, sometimes for the governments, you have to pay your tributes like uh, double the price because uh, you're doing something that it's not okay. Um in terms of uh, your own beliefs, you know, and yeah, I think that was it. Yes, and and it's kind of funny that he actually, I'm not sure if this is still true, but he was a barber. He was a barber, and he has he own he is a co-owner of three different barber shops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that side of Nergal too, because you know, uh, when you think about a black metal guy, you think about the bullet belt and the corpse paints and nothing else. But Nergal is such a classy man. Um, he has a lot of cultural background. He reads a lot, he travels a lot. So um, he has, a, you know, like a very diverse background and he's doing a lot of different stuff in, in his own life. Like uh, he has a different business started like this barbershop. Uh, he has like a company that sells um, t-shirts from bands from, you know, from many years ago that are probably out of stock. Uh, 
Yes. And yeah, he's like involved in many different things. And I really appreciate that because it means that he's alive and he's ready to, to get involved in, in new stuff. And that's pretty impressive, I think. Yes, it is. So do you have a favorite song from this album or do you just... Um, probably it's between Blow Your Trumpets, Gabriel, and Oh Father, Oh Satan, Oh Satan, Oh Son, which is, I think it's the last one. Yes. And yeah, both of them are super epic. You know, they create this um, whole atmosphere between the Bible topics and individualism and how you stand uh, for your own thing like um, this is me if you don't like it I don't care I will keep on going my way and I really love that this idea of uh, being committed to yourself and with doing your thing and this album represents super well this idea of um, Satan or Lucifer uh, just going against the odds you know like uh, it was established that God was uh, the number one, but he just wanted to make things different. And that's why he was um, um, expelled from, from heaven. So he just started his own path. And it's like a good metaphor when you're just like uh, different um, and you yeah. live in, a, in an environment where everyone is like mainstream metalheads. Uh, are very familiar with this i think because we always feel like the the black sheep in general and i think this album represents that you know like uh, freedom and and being yourself yes and it's funny because that was my two favorite songs are also those two songs even though i've only listened to it a few times but i can i do like the longer songs and yes oh father oh satan oh son is seven minutes and oh, I just yeah. love the way Blow Your Trumpets, Gabriel starts out the album. It's great. And I'll definitely listen to this album more now. Oh, yeah. You it introduced should. it it's, to me. <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing album. And of course, um, if you don't like extreme metal, it's uh, something hard to do because um, it's not super melodic. But with mm -hmm. this album, they started to introduce a bit more of melody in the vocals too. And that's something that I really appreciate too as a vocalist because um, it shows you uh, that you have different choices even when you're a, a growler or if you are doing screaming. Um, because of course, when you're a clean singer, you have a lot of uh, options. You can sing with many different techniques and you can create a lot of melodies. But when you're a growler, um, you only can play with rhythm because you don't have actually like a true notes and it's very difficult to do something that it's not uh, boring and like all the time doing the same thing, you know, and with this album, I think Nergal did an amazing job. Yes. And so you used to be right for a webzine. So you need to rate this album out of 10. Of course, 10, 100. <laughs> I had a funny feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I, I mean it. There's nothing bad that I could say about this album because uh, it actually changed my life. When I had this album in my hands for the first time, it was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. That's great. Well, I think our time is about running out here, so... 
I'm going to thank you, Diva, for joining me. This was much fun to talk about this album and to talk about yourself a little before we get started. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a, a very cool chat. And yeah, it's amazing to look back into the past and see that we met or we have been in contact for the last 10 years. So yeah, uh, I really thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome, Diva. And I wish you best of luck with Bloodhunter. I hope you're able to come to Canada, North America sometime. I know it's a little costly to do that anymore. That's the way the world is, but hopefully Look, that can still are, happen. We are working on it because uh, if we keep on working like this and we had some offers on the table, maybe we could do it uh, not this year for sure, but in mm -hmm. the in the close future for sure, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again, Diva, for joining me today. Thank you, Blake. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye.